Well, dear friends, dear friends, it's an enormous pleasure for me to be here with all of you. And I, I, I come to make a confession and an appeal. And I'll start with a confession. As it was said, I was Prime Minister of Portugal in the 90s. And the 90s were a moment in which we had a chance to not only have a better life in this planet, but to make that better life sustainable. We had a chance to be able to promote effective forms of democratic global governance that the world was lacking. This was a moment of great optimism. You remember, at the time, globalization was providing an enormous increase in wealth. Uh, it was uh, developing trade everywhere. Life expectancy was growing. Child mortality was decreasing. Absolute poverty was being reduced in different parts of the world. At the same time, after the end of the Cold War, we had a period in which uh, the Security Council was able to be in agreement in relation to some very important interventions in the world to guarantee peace and security. Uh, if you remember the Balkans, East Timor, where I was personally involved. So uh, there was a sense that the world was coming together. We saw democracy prevailing everywhere. We saw human rights gaining ground uh, in all continents in the world. And this has created an enormous wave of optimism and the idea that the world was indeed moving better. There was even a famous philosopher, Fukuyama, that said, it's the end of history. From now on, everything will be fine. The problem is that that was the moment in which there was an opportunity for world leaders to come together and to build a solid form of global governance to make sure that these improvements that had existed could prevail, could be sustainable. But we messed it up. My generation messed it up. There was an optimism, a naive optimism about globalization. And we forgot that globalization was also bringing enormous increase in inequality. Today, eight persons in the world have exactly the same amount of wealth as the poorest half of the world population. And uh, a dramatic impact in some forms of disequilibrium, for instance, youth unemployment. I know even in the Republic of Korea, it's a problem that you feel. But in other parts of the world, namely in the Middle East, it's a, a terrible tragedy. Large parts of the young population have no jobs. And this is not only terrible for them, it's terrible for the development of the country. And it's becoming a source of radicalization and even of recruitment of terrorist organizations in that part of the world. Uh, so... Globalization was indeed fantastic, but it had its negative side, and we didn't create the mechanisms to address the problems of that negative side. Then, on the other hand, that uh, moment in which there was agreement among the powers in the world in relation to problems of peace and security started to erode. You remember the invasion of Iraq, and afterwards uh, power relations becoming less clear. The world was no longer bipolar, no longer unipolar. It became a chaotic world, uh, and uh, a chaotic world in which conflicts started to emerge everywhere. There was impunity and predictability, and there were no mechanisms of governance to be able to address it. Security Council paralyzed with the vetoes of these, of that, and no capacity to address the dramatic challenges of peace and security that we faced. And then climate change. We came late to climate action. Uh, you remember uh, the Copenhagen meeting. It was a disaster. We didn't manage to come to an agreement. Finally, it was possible in Paris. I hope it's not too late. But even the commitments made in Paris are not enough. Uh, we need more ambition. Climate change is running faster than what we are running at the present moment. 
And so we are facing a world in which uh, very dramatic problems have increased and the enormous potential generated by globalization, technological progress, has not been uh, sufficiently put at the service of the people of this world. And many people were left behind. Persons in poverty, extreme poverty, sectors that uh, disappeared uh, because economically they are no longer viable. Uh, you heard about the Rust Belt in the United States, uh, some states in which many industries were closed. Uh, uh, we had uh, regions uh, that were left behind, countries because of, of conflict and of, I would say fragility of their societies were left behind. And so injustice has increased in this world. Now, my generation failed when we had a chance in the 90s to build the forms of global democratic governance that would be able to avoid this evolution that we have witnessed until uh, 2017 eight, uh, uh, that we are seeing now. Uh, and if one looks, for instance, at youth, the percentage of youth in the global labor force has decreased which means that uh, uh, in a world where many jobs were created, use has been comparatively in a more difficult situation. And when one sees the present world and one sees all these questions, we feel that there is many people that lost confidence in political establishments. They say all politicians are the same. They all say different things, but in the end, they all do the same thing. Uh, lack of confidence in international organizations, uh, like even the UN. People say, what, what is the UN good for? I mean, it's not solving all problems. Lack of confidence uh, in uh, many other uh, uh, institutions in the world. Lack of confidence in the economic systems. Uh, and one thing that is also clear is that the use is probably the area of the population that lost more confidence in the way the system works. And then it comes my appeal. My generation, I have to confess, failed an opportunity. Your generation cannot fail the next opportunity. The world is changing now very quickly because technology is changing very quickly. You are the digital generation. I was the analogic generation, no? Things are now moving very fast in artificial intelligence, in genetic engineering, in many other aspects. And this will create an enormous potential for good in humankind. But this also has threats. You know that artificial intelligence will have dramatic impacts in labor markets. Uh, will have potentially uh, enormous difficulties in the way societies are organized. But at the same time, it can bring enormous benefits to all of us. We need forms of governance that allow for these fantastic new developments to be for good and not to be a new threat, and not to be a new source of inequality, and not to be a new source of despair or of conflict in the world. And my appeal is, don't disengage. Don't think that, oh well, the, the political systems, we, we don't understand them. We, we, no. You need to claim that your voice is heard. You need to engage in the civil society, in different movements, in political activities. You need to be prepared to assume your responsibilities. When I talk to people of my generation, that is in international organizations, they say, oh, yes, indeed, we need to communicate better with the youth. Well, the problem is not that, the, that we need to communicate better with the youth. We need to create mechanisms to allow the youth to communicate more with the establishments that exist in the world for your influence
to be taken into account in decisions that are now being taken in order to make sure that we are able to face the new challenges and face them in a positive way. I am a follower, an intellectual follower of a German philosopher. His name is Habermas. And for Habermas, what matters in a democracy is not the fact that you have elections over four or five years. What matters in a democracy is this permanent flow of intercommunication between the civil society and the political society, and that that flow has an influence in the decisions of the political society. Now, I believe that today we need more than that. We need that this flow of communication is extended to the youth, because you have a capacity to understand the new changes that technology is introducing in the world much better than the generation like mine that is still analogic, as I said. So we need not only to create this flow of intercommunication between young people and the political, social, economic establishments, but that not only interferes with the decisions that are taken, but that helps to shape differently those establishments, to make young people have a chance to play a major role in the way our world is managed. Uh, and there is a sentence that is used a lot, which is to say, oh, the young people are the uh, generation of tomorrow. Don't believe in it. You are the generation of today. You cannot wait for a tomorrow that will become too late for a number of important changes to take place. You need to assume your engagement. You need to be sometimes uh, tough, uh, saying the truth, uh, uh, abide by your principles, abide by the things you believe, and if necessary, confront uh, the different areas of the establishment which, which you do not agree. But engage. Don't give up. Don't leave it to the others. Because this world will depend a lot on your capacity to influence decisions that will have to be taken in the next few years and uh, that will shape the future decades. The way we will be able to deal with artificial intelligence, with genetic engineering, uh, with the cyberspace um, that you understand much better than me, the way you are able to handle these things, to regulate these things in modern forms, the way you are able to make them really work for the benefit of all, will be essential for the future. Um, we had an opportunity in the 90s, and we uh, were not able to seize that opportunity. You know, the art in politics is to transform problems into opportunities. But unfortunately, in the world, we still have a lot of people that has this capacity to transform opportunities into problems. You need to avoid that at all costs. And there is one area where I would like to ask your commitment more strongly than in any other one, and that is climate change. The truth is that we are not yet winning that race. Uh, if you have uh, read the, the news uh, last year, there was an increase in the emissions after a few years in which it was possible to start decreasing them. The temperatures in the last five years are the highest temperatures registered. So things are getting worse. We see the uh, North Pole uh, ice uh, cover shrinking. We see glaciers shrinking everywhere. Uh, we see the temperature in the water becoming higher, and we see hurricanes becoming absolutely devastating in different parts of the world. This is an area where uh, 
I believe a strong voice asking for more ambition is more necessary than ever. And I believe it is your generation that needs to make sure that the present generation still in power understand that they need to move much faster, that they need to have much more ambition, that what we are doing now is simply not enough. So this is an area where I ask your very, very strong commitment. And another aspect that for us is very important is, as you know, the United Nations launched the Sustainable Development Goals. The idea is to have a, a, a kind of a new deal for a fair globalization, an attempt to mobilize governments, civil societies, uh, private sector, in order to have a new form of development in which no one is left behind. Uh, it is easy to develop quickly a country, leaving a lot of people behind. It's much more difficult to do it with social cohesion, to make sure that everybody is on board. So another appeal Engage with your government, engage with your society in order to make sure that these goals in education, in health, in poverty, in all other aspects are achieved. And do everything possible to make your society much more open-minded and much more tolerant as we need in all societies in the world. And this is another thing in which the youth can play a leading role. When you see results of surveys and uh, referenda or elections around the world, we see that the young people is more open-minded, more tolerant, more cosmopolitan. And uh, uh, this is something that is clear. And it is the influence, that influence that we need to be able to have societies that understand better that migration, for instance, uh, is a positive element in the world. There was always migration, and migration should not be seen as a threat to societies, but as a necessary complement to demographic and economic differences around the world. That societies need to be more and more multi-ethnic, multi-religious, uh, multi-cultural, um, and that is a richness, not a threat. My generation has still difficulties in understanding that. Your generation has proven to be much more open-minded in relation to this to influence your own societies, to influence your own older generations in making them understand at the national level, but especially at regional and global level, that we need a world of tolerance, that we need a world of mutual respect, that we need a world in which all religions, all cultures are valued, is something that you can lead. Because unfortunately, the present times are times in which you see populism, xenophobia, racism developing in ways that are extremely negative and extremely detrimental to peace and security in our world. And so, with the same sincerity as I made my confession, it's true that in the 90s we had a fantastic opportunity and it's true that we mess it up. You, I'm sure, will have in the next decade another opportunity generated by this fantastic developments that technology is bringing, make sure you don't mess it up. Make sure you take profit of it to make not only a better world, but a world that will be better in a sustainable way. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, actually, it was a very inspiring message for Korean youth in terms of global affairs as well as crisis. Um, actually, I believe this is uh, your first TV talks in South Korea, is it right? It is. Yeah, thank you so much again. Uh, I mean, how was it? Um, could you tell me your impression from Korean audience? 
Well, I think that um, fantastic thing in this is when I was talking, I was looking into, you were reacting. I mean, expressing sometimes a little bit of skepticism, sometimes a clear support, yes, but exactly. interacting. Yes. I mean, yes. it's that interaction that also makes me be able to say things that are meaningful instead of just talking, talking, talking without any special uh, uh, relevance in what I say. Yeah, let me start with better education. Um, actually, the question is from elementary school student living in Seoul. Actually, my daughter, <laughs> Mr. Secretary General, what is the worst thing you did when you were a student? When I was a student? That's a very difficult question. <laughs> uh, I think probably it was not to study a few things I didn't like. But, um, but I'll tell you what is the, the, the best thing I did when I was a student. Uh, when I was a student, I got very strong. Portugal at the time was much poorer than what it is today. And Lisbon, my home city, was a city with slums, lots of uh, uh, areas in which, you know, had lots of people living in barracks. And, uh, and so we, ha we had in the university a group uh, that started working uh, in the slums of Lisbon. And uh, working in the slums of Lisbon, we did our best to support people in education, to support young children especially, to have, uh, we organized some kindergartens. Uh, we were also helping uh, people to um, uh, learn how to read when they were already uh, uh, adults. And I mean, we did a lot of things and, and trying to understand the life there. And, to, and I must tell you, that has changed my life forever. I was supposed to be an engineer, and because of that, I became a politician. So do your work as students, study what you need to study, but at the same time, don't close your eyes to what's going around. Okay, so many Korean young people want to get a good job. So my question is that in terms of career goal, uh, what was the most important value in choosing your job in your lifetime? Well, for me, to choose my job has been since the beginning, uh, are there uh, uh, friends here that uh, are Christian? A few, yes? You read the gospel, no? <laughs> no, I hope. Uh, there is a parable in the gospel of the talents. I don't know if you have... Uh, and the idea is we get from God a number of uh, benefits, a number of opportunities in life, and we need to be able to transform those uh, things that we receive into something we are able to produce to support others. Mm -hmm. Which means to make our job useful for the society. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have, and it's perfectly acceptable, an idea, let me have a job with the highest possible salary yes. and let the others solve the other problems. But if you can combine to have a job that, of course, will cater for the needs of you and their family, but at the same time for that job to make a difference in the life of people that is not as privileged as you are, because let's be clear, if you look at the world today, all of you, like me and you, are very privileged. Uh, uh, let's use that privilege to be able to also uh, provide to the others that have less chances than us, that have less privilege than us, uh, some service and some solidarity. Okay, so love your neighbors first. Okay, thank you. Not only the neighbors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, time is running up now. So from now on, we are going to have open talks with audience.